Yo. Yo. Yeah, I'm mixing it up because you're the one that keeps going. Hello, Hello everybody. I did it. My name's Stephen Brown. Yeah. So today on Ordinary to Extraordinary, what did we talk about, Danny Boo? We talked about intersections in life, change, transition, points. transition, growth, development. Just a bunch of buzzwords. Yeah. <laughs> but we actually got a little more in depth. I, I shared some personal stuff. The decoupling um, process. Decoupling process. Yeah. Um, Lots of uh, metaphors today, including traffic metaphors. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we had some fun with that. <laughs> yeah, just don't swerve into a wall and crash. And I don't think Ben or I disagreed with each other once today, and we didn't Ooh. say fuck you to each other once either. You might be right. There, this might be our most pleasant and non. We got it all out on intellectual honesty. Yeah, intellectual honesty was fun. So yeah, uh, intersections, transition points. Um, here's Change. a discussion on that episode 120 something something it might be maybe 130 almost. not yet I don't think yeah we're not far off but close we're like 5 off so yeah so there we go on to the episode Ben Steven we're recording why does this sound like I can hear myself from somewhere you probably can hear yourself from somewhere. Ben forgot to book the room we normally use again, so we're in a strange room. Yeah. Sitting on sofa-style seats. It's actually kind of comfortable, though. I don't mind it. We'll see how you feel after a little while leaning forward like that. Oh, my back's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a great back, so... Can you hear me now? If I'm back like this? No, it goes like... really low on the thing. What about like this? Can you hear me like this? That's much better. Okay, well... We're just going to do the close. But the cool thing is your microphone moves. I was going to say, it moves. Yeah. You can take it with you. Just like that. Yep. Watch. I thought it was going to fall off the table. That would have been awesome. <laughs> it just unclips and falls. <laughs> it's your computer. Yeah. Sound gets mixed up on the mixing board. But So if you hear background noises today, it's because Ben fucked up and did not book the room. No, I, did, I, I went to book the room. But it was already Somebody booked. else already booked it. But when did you set the appointment with me to record Actually, today? you said this one. Yeah, but it was weeks and weeks Actually, ago. Actually, I might have said this one. Yeah. I don't even know. Anyway. Stephen pretends like it matters. We have like 15 rooms at this place. Yeah. <laughs> but to cut a long story short, different room. And hopefully we still sound good. And if well, not, we'll find out. it's not my fault for a change it's Ben's. If, if it is, it's because the levels are off if we don't sound good. The levels are good. I listened in the headphones. Okay. Are we done talking about this now? I don't know. You keep talking about it. Okay. What are we talking about today? Do you want me to frame? Well, yeah, it was your topic. Yeah. Frame so, away. I just threw it at you. You agreed to well, it. Well, you didn't just throw it at me. It was a <laughs> stream of thought in one word text messages <laughs> for about six text messages. I was like, good Lord. It's like this, just one word at a time. And I was like, oh, for the love. Well, who is blowing me up? And it was Steven. You got insight into how my brain works. I, I, I'm not sure it does, is what I found out. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make any sense, the, the stream. The, the typos don't happen in my head. They only happen in my thumbs. Um, <laughs> I was like, what is what is he saying? <laughs> <laughs> ah, intersections. Ah, yeah, doubt. Challenge. Ah. Yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of words. But there was also, there was some um, clarification and, yeah, once I called you and said, what do these text no, messages mean? No, I did some mean? longer sentences as well. Um, I think it said, <laughs> call me if you need clarification was what the longer sentences were. <laughs> so, the overarching topic is intersections in life, i.e. 
making decisions, right? So decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, decision making? Intersections. Yeah. Oh. Okay, keep going. So you come to an intersection, you go left, right, or straight. Sometimes See, you I, might even I, go backwards. Y- yeah, and I, t- yeah. Keep so going. you're framing it as change. Yeah, like change. Choice. Yeah, I've got that in here. I've got no, but wait, just say what you said again, actually. Yeah, so say what? You said choices, right? Choices, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, because I even said it's like not necessarily choices, like when the way my thoughts were not necessarily, that is one type Mm -hmm. of intersection, one change, but sometimes you're forced off the road. Yeah. So, and and that's why I did all the subplots, all the subtopics. So, the conscious stream of six. I like to start with the genesis of where these things come from, right? So, I'm. I mentioned to you, by the time this goes live, I'll have said yes to an opportunity that's coming my way within the company, right? You're going to say yes? I am. In fact, this is two weeks out, so yeah, I'll be in the role at that point. Wow. So, and I'll clarify further down the line, but for for um, time purposes today. But I got to thinking about transition points, and this is a common theme for me, so... I, when I worked in the soccer industry, found that transition points were also attrition points, right? So any time we forced a decision on players and parents, we might have to tell them to shut up. They're loud. I know. I was like, what is that? Yeah. They're not allowed to have fun when they're at work. Seriously. All this laughing and hollering and hooting. and Welcome to my colleagues. Um, yeah. We have a good time here at 10 Capital. <laughs> so... And they're right behind me. So you guys probably don't hear them, but I hear them. They're um, walking down away. It's They're doing their Yeah, so anytime like we created transition points, and let me give context here. So youth soccer generally goes from four years old to 18 years old. It's actually gotten younger than that, but for, for talking purposes. Four years old to 18 years old, right? So how old is Weston? Three? Three and a half, yep. And is he going to do soccer when he's four? I hope not. You don't, you don't plan on him playing any no. organized sport? Well, if he wants to later on, but not when he's four. Well, why not put him in and see how his hand-eye coordination is? Well, he's Lauren and my son, so it's not good. Well, I already know how his hand-eye coordination is. <laughs> well, <laughs> It's not. <laughs> uh, that's evident. We already know that one. Let me just say this. It can be developed. Start him in sport early. Have him work on his motor skills. Um <laughs> Please, because I don't want him to get to your age and not be able to do the things that you can't do. Watch your mouth. Um, (laughs) That was my nice way of saying you're (laughs) not athletic or not super athletic. Um, Anyway, so generally speaking, they start playing rec soccer at four years old, right? That essentially is there's a ball on the field, kids running around, picking daisies, (laughs) trying to show off to mum and dad, but it doesn't generally involve the soccer ball, but then you develop it from there practices everybody's got a ball you're trying to herd cats right and you develop and you develop and some kids are super athletic and they get it quicker than others but then at like now it used to be like 10 or 11 but now by the time they're seven or eight people are starting to earmark them so this is called relative age um malcolm gladwell talks about it in some of his books right so the older bigger faster stronger kids because whether you start in September or January, the the kids that were born first tend to be bigger, faster, stronger. Those kids tend to be cherry-picked and 
do you want me to pause? So Ben broke my plane of thought there. He went outside to meet his <laughs> wife, swap cars, and get himself a coffee. And <laughs> I'm sitting here on empty hands and no coffee. Uh, she brought me one, okay? F you too. Um, <laughs> thanks, Lauren. I know you listen to this. You didn't even think. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, so by seven or eight... Maybe she did. By seven or eight... Bigger, Faster, Stronger have been cherry-picked, yep. and they're already on the top-wrecked teams, right? Ooh. And then... You no longer have a life as a parent because you're in Seattle every other weekend, and yeah. well, hotels not, are $500. Not there yet. Not there yet. Okay. So then by 9 or 10, that's when you go select or premier soccer. You clowns in America say premier, but it's premier. Um, tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah. So then you've got to make... A selection, right? So what happens is the kids that were playing all the way to seven, right? Then when the big, fast, strong kids are cherry-picked, they're left looking around going, well, we don't want to play with these kids. They suck. They fall away from the game, right? Nine or ten, well, we're going to join this club and we're going to be a select team and we're going to be a premier team and this dad wants to coach these three kids and this dad wants to coach those four kids and just for the sake of equality, this mum wants to coach those seven children, right? Um... So another transition slash attrition point, things get split up, kids are lost, right? Then it gets to 13, 14-ish, and then they start thinking about college and scholarships. So then the cream of the crop rises again, and they end up all at one club, and the kids that were playing with the good kids that aren't quite as good, they're like, well, I don't want to play if we can't compete, so then they fall away again. So to cut a long story short... Every time there's a transition point where people have to make a choice, there's attrition and kids fall away. So instead of having, let's say, 10,000 kids playing the sport, by the time they get to 14, now you're looking around, you're going, okay, so now we had 10,000 when they were five, but we've essentially scared them off with choices and transition points to where there's only 2,000 or 2,500 or whatever it is. Just because the people that were no longer on their team were... Well, um, some of it's that. Like they don't some just of it's, form their own non-selection. We force decisions, so we complicate it, right? I mean, just playing soccer in general in this country is the most complicated thing. You can't just go to a park and play. Everybody has to have a friggin' insurance card and be registered with three governing bodies and fucking 27 coaches that have to have a, a certificate saying that they're qualified to coach and can do eight kinds of CPR and all that bullshit, right? So, well... I was qualified for CPR last year and it was 10 compressions and now it's only five compressions and now it's three breaths versus... F so all of that bullshit, right? But like I said, the genesis of this was that within soccer, the transition points were um, a common theme with what's happening now. So with um, intersections, every time I feel a choice comes... There's good choices, there's bad choices, and there's choices that keep things the same, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes choices that keep things the same can be good, good or choice. bad choices yeah. as well. So that's what I was thinking when I brought this topic up. That's what I'm going to throw out, kind of word vomit about soccer and all the rest of it, and just see what your thoughts are. Intersections on could be good or bad choices, uh, or they could be like a net neutral type situation too. Some like They could be yeah. status quo too, mm -hmm. right? So to add that in there too. Uh the whole intersections idea, and, and you and I always think about things a little differently too when we're framing topics. And I'll say a topic, and you'll say, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." And then we'll get into it, and we both have a different idea of what the topic actually was, and vice versa. So, it, it and I 
when you brought up the idea of intersections, I mean, I like it, right? And, and sometimes I think intersections can be a catalyst, uh, like intentional, right? Like you can intentionally make yourself make a decision on something to disrupt the status quo even if the status quo isn't good. Yeah. And I mean, so there's a lot of different ways to go about this this conversation. So I'm kind of interested to see just how this evolves over time. But mm-hmm. initially what I wanted to say was the whole idea of intersections and, and, you, and to your point, right, coming to kind of a, a split in the road and which direction are you going to take or a T in the road and which direction are you going to go, left or right, is sometimes you don't see the split, you don't see the T, you're going to have to be forced to make a decision, or sometimes you're just cruising along and then you see a turnoff and you get a choice to make, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes it happens to you, sometimes you get to make the decision. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad in both regards, right? You think about the people who've been forced to uh, leave a job, fired, they're very much into T in a row. They can, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they no longer have a job, so they're gonna have to go find something, right? So change has been thrusted upon them. And sometimes it's bad, but it depends on how they react to it. Is what something that I want to talk about when we get through this topic, right? Of course, reactions, yeah. Yeah, is what your reactions are to the change or to the intersection that isn't your choice, right? So let's go with that too. (laughs) I didn't do this by design, but as you were talking, you were talking about T's and Y's and changing direction, right? Yeah. There's a lot of metaphors that you can throw in here if you just stick with traffic. Yeah. So a stop sign. Maybe it's just a pause. Maybe you're going and you're going straight, but you have to pause to let people cross. Reevaluate, or, look for dangers. Yep. Um, maybe it's an emergency stop, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's oh shit, this is heading in a bad direction. We're on the brakes. We're stopping. We're safe. Or maybe you plow through and crash into something, right? Yeah. And that's the transition point. That's or watch for maybe the yield. Maybe not necessarily. A, maybe a, you're going so fast. An intersection. You yeah. need to watch for other people that are going fast. And you got to yield so you don't hurt somebody. Exactly. So I didn't mean to have all those different metaphors for traffic maybe, and such, but maybe your butt needs to get off the road and you need to go sit in the parking lot for a little while. Yeah, but but they play. <laughs> Put so, it in the garage. Go inside. So they absolutely play, and I, and I'm intrigued to see where this goes as well. I think sometimes we start talking about stuff, and by the end of it, we're like, where the hell did all that come from, right? So coming back to the situation I mentioned, so obviously looking at transitioning from. A role where I've got one foot in a couple of camps to another role where I don't have either of my feet in either of those camps. Well, kind of one of the camps, but I won't be in that small market. A different position at the anymore. same firm. Yeah. Won't be in that small market anymore. I'm going to focus on a whole different, new, scary, but the uh, opportunity, but the upside is huge. This coming just off getting a promotion like six months ago yeah so and and that's something that i want to talk about so i'm operating on a level now that i've never operated on for this company i was stagnant as much as i was a top performer for this region i was stagnant and i didn't feel challenged every day it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't that i didn't like doing what i was doing it was just like i could do this with my eyes shut i get paid well i'm gonna keep doing it yeah and then Status quo. the opportunity to sell into the, the up-market space was presented and I interviewed and essentially was told, you're a wild card here because there's people that outperform you from a from a 
a revenue standpoint. There's people that um, should be more, um, sh have shown more aptitude in the smaller market than you have just because for whatever reason, but you interviewed well, you've done things throughout the interview process that have intrigued us. You've asked questions that other people didn't ask and you've followed the playbook without knowing you're following the playbook that we're going to teach you. So we're taking a chance on you, the chip's on your shoulder, uh, you've got six months to prove yourself. Well, I haven't just proved myself in these past six to eight months, I've literally blown it up. So for for reference, and this isn't braggy, I hope this doesn't seem braggy. No, you're totally um, braggy. In the first four months of the year, I did what I did in my record year for Heartland in four months. Yeah, that's great. In terms of revenue. And it hasn't gone unnoticed. Lots of heads are turned throughout the company and within the team that I'm on for the, the upmarket selling, people are starting to notice and go, oh shit, this guy's for real. What can we do to keep challenging him kind of thing? Because obviously we awoke something in him by giving him this challenge. He's risen to it. We want to keep the chip on his shoulder. Well, let's do this beta program where we're going to move into an area we've never been and keep it fresh and interesting and let's go in that direction so that's where I'm at just now so I'm in a transition point and what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks at an accelerated pace is a decoupling process so I have people that directly report to me I have direct managers who people don't people that directly report to you not necessarily clients but, but folks at no Ireland, people that do employees. what I do yeah. but they report to me yeah I have my direct boss, his direct boss and his direct boss who want the best for me. And and this is where, here's an interesting concept, concept selective advocacy. So all three have advocated for me at certain times, mm -hmm. avidly. But I found out today, I've had some pretty grown-up conversations here in the last few days because nobody wants to lose my production for their region, right? So we've got local guy, overseas Washington Montana or Eastern Washington Idaho Montana we've got regional guy who oversees essentially the the west coast and then senior regional guy who oversees the left side of the country the whole left side of the country from like Chicago left two have been great advocates and proponents and hey we want what's best for you and one essentially played defense to the point that advocated that I not be selected for this. So from a decoupling standpoint, I've got some awkward conversations to have. I also have to, from feeling obligated, I don't want to just abandon the people, that, the two people that report directly to me. I'm going to make sure they're good, whether it's on an official or an unofficial basis. So I'm in negotiations just now to say, hey, look, I know we don't want one foot in each camp, but this foot has to stay here until such time as they're sufficient on their own. Um, so that's, I know when I said decoupling process to you, you were like, wait, what? How does that work? But that's what I meant by that. So I'm going I, I through. I called it the breaking up process. Yeah. And it's not a breakup per se because I'm still going to be. Not in a negative connotation. Yeah. So, but it is breaking up. I mean, it's it's a shifting of duties. How do you mm -hmm. shift duties from one individual to another, right? It's just whenever there's a change up in somebody's role, if somebody's, somebody's going to step in, they're going to take over Stephen's role at Harland. Whenever we have a change in, you know, client manager 
they got to learn the new systems. They got there's a learning curve associated with it, and there's some handholding that needs to be be done, right? And so you're talking about the handholding component of handholding some of these people that were under you in terms of that you were helping grow their book and well, helping them learn new. some of the sales tactics yeah. and principles behind the business, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you're just not one to send them off to somebody else at this point, or well, maybe there isn't anybody else. Well, to to send them to. to there help are people them. that can do the job, but and again, not to be braggy, there aren't any more me's. So, not only was I doing the job at a high level, I was also managing at a high level and making sure that others were doing the job better than they could on their own. So, like I said, that's what I mean by the decoupling process. I don't want anybody to feel like they're abandoned, and I've got responsibility to those people. I hired them. I've put time and effort into them. And I don't want that just to, when I step aside, for that to go to shit, you know? So there's that part. But essentially there's multiple transition points here for me. And that's why I'm like, I'm at this intersection where obviously you and I have talked here on the podcast about the fact that I want to move, right? Mm -hmm. And this intersection actually intersects with, it's like side by side with, well, now I can completely decouple because initially I was going split time yeah now i'm like oh, do i really need to hmm. so there's lots of factors this will be in interesting. Play here. okay off uh, fair Stephen and i plan on having a beer after this to talk a little more so yeah. we'll see yeah see how this all works so like i said lots of grown-up conversations and just transitions in general you had me thinking about this you said lots of grown-up conversations one of the things that i wrote down under the the decoupling process <laughs> funny i said and I, I wrote, I said, decoupling process, breaking up in a smooth way. And then my first bullet point under that is communication is key. And so we were talking about a lot of grown-up conversations, right? And it's funny because so many th- problems and so many things, uh, negative things, arise out of a lack of communication, right? So internally within 10 Capital, when we find out that, well, I didn't know that you wanted me to do it that way. I mean, like, where was I supposed to know? Well, I, I thought I told you to do it that way. It's like, okay, communication breakdown. Like, and usually if there's an inner office relationship, meeting like a negative, not like a relationship, but like, hey, it's, something's falling apart. Like, we're friends, but we're going at each other's throats. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. It's because you're not communicating your feelings or whatever it is, right? So it's like communicating your wishes and communicating the duties, Right. It's like, hey, Steven's going to take these things on. Ben's going to take these things on. And everybody knows their role. And then come back in a week and let's assess where we're at and how it's been working, right? It's just funny how often the communication channels fall apart Mm -hmm. or how often not only do the communication channels fall apart, but the communication channels were never even established. Yeah. Like there was just an assumption. Well, I think I've got a couple of things I want to say. But the first one is... I think that's where I often talk about certain leadership gurus being highly quotable, but not necessarily, a, it's not easily applicable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or easy, It's not easy to apply. Was applicable the right word there? So I talk about that a lot. And the reason I do it is I think so many people read leadership books or listen to someone speak and all of a sudden it's like, okay, like for instance, the quote, don't show someone how to do something tell them what you need them to do and let them figure it out kind of thing right let them surprise you so people are like yeah so to your point hey here's what we're going to do everybody go break team boo woo right everybody feels good runs off to their office and then they're sitting in their office and they're like fuck i don't know like where do we start (laughs) 
and the person in the next office is doing the same thing and they're like well I don't want to be the asshole that sends a message going uh, I know we just met about this and we rah rah it <laughs> yeah but what wait what are we doing what, what was my part in this right and I think then they, then they convene and the project hasn't truly started or isn't getting off the ground at this pace it should because yeah. to your point it wasn't clearly communicated well, realistic think- expectations of here's what everybody's going to do and when they're yeah. going to do it well, and even if it's not, here's what everybody's going to do. It's at least in the expectation of, here's where I want step one to be. Mm-hmm. Like, here's step one. This is what I want. And I want it done by this time period. And I want you guys to get together to collaborate to decide who's going to tackle what within yeah. it over the next week and come back in a week at our next meeting. And we're going to mm-hmm. have an update on it. And then we'll go to step two. And then so many offices claim they have an open door policy, but they don't because things like that fester. Yeah. And people go, like well, I said... Well, the door might be open, but they don't yeah. want to look like, a, to your point, exactly. they want us to be the guy who sends the email asking, where do they start? And that's where, again, true leadership is people checking back in and saying, hey, are we clear? Are we still good? You know, and so, well, yeah. You know what's interesting? I'd say true leadership, but even just like responsibility in general, not from on, not on the leader's part, but on the the whole team's part, right? It's like, if you don't understand, there's no reason why you can't go into, like, I mean, in our office internally even, like, there'll be times when something comes up in a client relationship where I don't understand, like, hey, I'm not too well-versed in this particular product. Dave, can you help me understand this a little more? Like, it doesn't mean that you're any less because you didn't understand exactly what's going on or vice versa, you know. So, I don't know. I, I I would see those as opportunities to learn, right? To go in and, and show yourself, prove yourself, to take some responsibility mm-hmm. and become the leader of even your micro group, your little group that you're working in. Yeah, I love that. So sticking with transitions and intersections, I'm going to say this because, again, we're a few weeks out on this. So by the time this goes live, and I might have to hold it for a week, worst case, um, by the time this goes live, everything should be official. But I haven't been able to have the conversations that I want to have. With your clients and stuff? Not my clients, with colleagues. So full non-disclosure situation, like, can't discuss what I know, i.e. James Bond need to know basis. I know, a few other people know. And yesterday, I had a few awkward phone calls. So you're not violating an NDA right now? No, I'm talking high level, like not saying what it is, how it is, what direction I'm going in. But essentially, I had a few awkward phone calls yesterday because, you know, big company, rumors, people talk that shouldn't talk. Some people overshare. I haven't <laughs> overshared to this point and got some awkward phone calls yesterday from people going, hey, I'm hearing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, I can't talk about it. I want to tell you. I want to be transparent because I'm a pretty transparent yeah, guy, right? Yeah. Shoot from the hip. But literally, I'll shoot myself in the foot as opposed to shooting from the hip to somebody else. If I open my mouth at this point and tell you what's going on, I can confirm that what you're telling me is nonsense and that's not what's been represented to me. This opportunity that there is an opportunity, but I can't tell you the specifics. I can't even say, here's what it is generally. Like it's super hush hush, right? Just say, we'll talk in a few weeks. Yeah, but these are people that I talk to daily and they're agitated and even had a follow-up phone call on this morning saying, hey, what did you find out? And I'm like, well, I know you've got a call in an hour with a person who should shed some light on it and you've got another call tomorrow. And I think he was a bit surprised that I had insight into his calendar and who he was talking to. So obviously I'm at advanced stages of the negotiating process. Um, At this point, I really want to tell you, but I'm not allowed to. So 
have those calls. I promise there's nothing sinister or shady going on on my end. It's just, for me, I've been told, hope, keep this in confidence. Keep I'm going to keep shut. it in confidence, yeah. yeah. So one of the conversations that I haven't had is with my direct manager here in town, and I can't have it because it's super need-to-know basis and he's not James Bond level. I know that I'm just trying to be funny with that, but James Bond need to know basis. It's from a movie. So, um, not the James Bond movies. It's like a funny movie. Anyway. Okay. Back to the topic. <laughs> so, but what You're going the, all over? No, where I'm going with this. And I know I'm kind of all over the place. Cause again, I'm trying not to incriminate myself where I'm going with this is that at those transition points, difficult discussions are going to happen mm-hmm. and you're not able to always set realistic expectations for people until after the fact until you know which direction you're going does that make sense yes and no you're not able to set realistic expectations for people until you know after the fact you know until you have further clarity which yeah that makes sense but with regard to this this is pertaining to your direction so what expectations would you be setting for somebody what do you mean i mean what do you mean what I mean? You're talking about you can't set realistic expectations for somebody until you have further clarity. It's like there is there is no real expectations that I see of anybody else in your situation it, it, with regard to your team regionally. Because if you'd be moving up to a different level that you'd be detaching yourself from the region. I mean, there's still your clients. It's still your book. You'd either be selling your book or you'd be hiring someone to come in and run no, your book No, what for I'm you saying and, is that some people are going to be blindsided just because I can't have any kind of conversation with them about it. Well, that's, I mean, so here's what's going to happen in that situation. Some people are going to be upset and they're going to be hurt. Mm -hmm. And they're going to take it personal, at least for a short period of time. Yep. But I think when they do a little introspective research and they think about it, it's like, well, yeah, you can't talk about it. Like, it's business, right? When people sit down and think about it, and this is something I was going to say earlier, when people sit down and think about it and they actually rationally think about it, it all starts to make a lot more sense. I was actually going to say this too. So, and when you're having these conversations with folks, right, it's important if, you, and this is for folks that are listening, if you are someone and you have a friend approaching you or a colleague approaching you about a transition or about a thing, like show them grace a lot of the time too, right? Because if they're approaching you, it's because they've made a decision or they're looking for your advice to make a decision, I would say too. So it, it, if, and don't be so selfish to want to hold them back. I think about this with regard to uh, friends that we have that live locally, right? That might have a job opportunity out of state, which would pull them out of state. Selfishly, I don't want them to move out of state. I want them to stay here because they're my friends, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, it's like showing the, to your thing what you said, uh, they've been advocates for you, right? Showing that advocacy and that support of your friend in the job that they're going after. Full advocacy, not selective advocacy. Yeah, and... And, you know, it's like, hey, I'm really stoked for you. I'm bummed because I love you as a friend, you know. And this is where I think as a leader in, in the region, uh, you're hopefully your, your colleagues come at you with is like, love you as a friend, love you as a, a brother, buddy, whatever, you know, s- not stoked to see you leave because I just enjoy your company. And yeah, of course, I enjoy your production. But at the same time, because I love you as a friend and a brother, and we're still going to be friends. I want to see you succeed and I want to see you grow, right? So, I mean, coming at it from an attitude of love and grace at the end of it all, when you're the person on the receiving end of one of those transition conversations, I think is important too. And it's going to just make your life a heck of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Then, I mean, 
this person is going through a lot of change as well. Because anytime there's change, it's upsetting. And I don't mean that in a negative way upsetting. It can be positively upsetting or negatively upsetting. But either of those is mentally draining. Mm -hmm. I mean, this transition is going to be mentally draining for you. You're learning new things. You could be potentially moving. I mean, there's a lot of different things that are changing, right? You're decoupling some regional relationships. You're going to have to figure out what to do with your book. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening that are just going to be mentally draining. So I think acknowledging that when you're the receiver of a conversation like this and saying like, hey, you know what? Like, I don't fully understand some of the things that you're doing. I don't even like some of the things you're doing, but I, you're, you're a friend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to support you in the direction that you are going to go. If you think it's progress, then let's get after it. Yeah. So that leads me to the last two words I sent you. Do you remember what they were? Well, Frick, you sent like five of them. So, I don't know. I probably wrote it down. Growth and development. I did right. And you led right into it, right? So, from a growth standpoint, every transition, every It's like I'm just freaking putting the ball on the tee for you. Well, no. Every every intersection in life, every transition point is a chance to grow, right? Grow, learn, achieve, or develop yourself. Think of it from the perspective that if we go back, I told you, I, I just wasn't challenged, right? I stepped up and now almost instantly but very at least very quickly I have the chance to do that again and challenge myself mm-hmm. now not everything is as straightforward as that but if we think about the intersections of life and these transition points that we've already talked about every time you get to one of those there's massive opportunity for you to grow prosper and see opportunities for what they can be not what they are right yeah so one of the concerns one of these guys that reached out to me yesterday had was well it seems like a different kind of role which it is it doesn't seem to be what you're doing now which it isn't is that really what you want now i love that because he's asking from a place of love he cares about yeah. me. are you going to be challenged again he didn't have full optics on what the broader scope of the opportunity is so essentially short term not much will change drastically but long term the upside which i've mentioned is massive 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 where i'm going with this is there's going to be a chance for me to play in a space that our company's never played in so never mind just i've not played in it our company hasn't been a player in the space that we're going and that's exciting right that's change that's development and as a as a person, as a salesperson, as a, a leader, I'm obviously going to develop and grow into that. And that's what excites me because I'm seeing what it can be in a year or two versus what it is right now. I like it. So, I mean, the unknown can either be motivating or it can be crippling. And I think it depends on what your outlook is or how you want to see it. Like, And, and even with Intersection, a lot of this... I might have mentioned it off or I mentioned it on there to you. I can't remember, to be honest. But it's like you get to decide which one it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And even I, I, Lauren and I were talking about this, I think, when I was originally getting into finance. I'm like, even when there is the unknown, you can let it motivate you or you can let it cripple you. If you choose to let it motivate you and you fail, what's really the word? I mean, you lose your job. You go back to doing what you were doing before. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I think a lot of it is is framing, framing it, right? It's like, w- w- this is how I do it. I go, I'm like, what's the worst thing that could happen? 
you know, and I go back to that worst thing that happened. And then I, how likely is that? And I build upon it. Like, what are the steps of failure almost? This is kind of a weird way of doing this. Like, what are mm-hmm. the steps of failure that could happen to me in this transition, you know? And then I let that motivate me. So I'm more motivated by the failure side to some degree than the success side, right? Like, the fear of failure motivates me. Mm-hmm. But then also is one of those things where it's like, I'm okay with failing, if that makes any sense, which is a weird little double flip-flop coin type thing. I have something. I just have to find it. So there's a quote from Gimli in Lord of the Rings, and I'm going <laughs> to... Gimli in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, so I'm going to find it. Um... But I think change, though, Stephen, in that fear that unknown, it's like it's like an adventure, right? It's like when you set out on an adventure not really knowing the final destination and you get to kind of just take the path. It's like a road trip, I guess, is, you know, a road trip adventure. It's like, hey, we're going to get in the truck and we're going to drive and we're going to stop when we stop, you know, wherever we want to sleep at night and we're going to go find new terrain and explore new unknown things. I mean, and that's kind of what you guys are talking about at mm-hmm. your company, which is cool. <laughs> but for some people, they very much need that roadmap, right? They, I mean, they need steps a b c and d right to, to be able to follow to be successful and that's fine but it sounds like you're getting the opportunity to write some of those in this transition yeah so i'm trying to find this hold on it's um, i know i was like geez come on <laughs> freaking making me ramble on over here trying to keep a- no i got it so i think i've got it so get there's a point in lord of the rings where they're trying to they're putting together the fellowship right and i'm not all the way a geek i just like that kind of thing right so he says certainty of death small chance of success what are we waiting for right <laughs> <Certainty> <laughs> again. certainty of death small chance of death what are we waiting no, for you just said or the other way around sorry <laughs> I, I wasn't reading it anymore certain <laughs> certainty of death small chance of success what are we waiting for? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, so why not? Giddy up. This is where, and this is important in your industry, risk aversion, right? Mm-hmm. So many people are risk averse. They don't want to even have, if there's any chance of failure, they take a step back yeah. in their comfort zone, right? Well, and we see that with advisors. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, like, you see that with clients that are invested, too. We're like, mm-hmm. well, I don't really want any downside, but I want an 8% rate of return. Yeah. Exactly. There's a difference between volatility and total loss. Yeah, so so where I'm going with this is that, yeah, there's chance. I have, that's my daily calendar invite to, or reminder to check my email and clear it before the end of the day because I only check my email twice a day. Mm, Um, But where I'm going with this is I moved to a different country thousands and thousands of miles away from my, my family. I then moved more thousands of miles from Chicago where it was familiar to Spokane because I was in a relationship. I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll give it a try. Right? I'm now thinking, ah, fuck it again. I want to move to the other side of the country again. Right? So from a risk aversion standpoint, I don't avoid risk. I embrace risk, right? And people... What's the risk involved with that, though? This could fail. It could fail, but... What I mean, how, but the risk. What's going to fail? The risk you, is a, I have move? to tuck tail and go backwards, so back down to what I'm yeah. doing now, kind of. Thing. Which is not. It's not failure in my eyes, no, but it, to others it might be, right? So that's why a lot of people don't take chances. That's why a lot of people don't take opportunity. And again, coming back to the what can it be versus what is it now? So 
the the growth and development part for me is as much about taking risks and potentially failing as it is about going and succeeding. So that's what I wanted to say. So I'm more of a, all right, 5% chance of succeeding. I don't think about the 95%. I'm focused on the 5%. I'm going to do everything I can to succeed. You know what I mean? Certainty of death and small chance of success? What What are we we waiting waiting for? for? Um, So I sent you a post yesterday. We won't say who from. Yeah, we won't say. But um, that person on the internet was basically lambasting hustle, right? Mm -hmm. Working hard, growing, you know, putting in an extra hour here or there you know, actually thriving in a meritocracy as opposed to let's everybody be equal kind of thing, you know? And you and I are very much meritocracy kind of people. We're like, everybody gets what they get, what they put in kind of thing, and then some. So Mm -hmm. if you put the work in, you get the rewards. Now, obviously, we're being very general here. Yeah. We're not saying that bad things don't happen and that unfortunate events well, don't happen. Luck doesn't play a role yeah. to some degree. But I also, the caveat to that too, is I think some people need to consider the industry or the field on which they're playing because they're trying to kick the soccer ball into the net, but really they're on the f- football field. <laughs> and it's like, and they think that it's like, no, you guys are you're playing the wrong game if, if you're trying to, to, you know, kick it into a net. There's no net on this field. Because I know people do that with finance. They're like, well, I want to make a bunch of money. And it's like, well, you're not even in the industry to make a bunch of money, right? So I think evaluating before you even have to come to an intersection is what are your, I mean, what are the things that you actually want to see? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think, don't even know the direction they want to go. So, I mean, how do you decide which, which you know, left turn or right turn when you don't even know where you're trying to get to? Exactly. Sometimes you have to take a, a shot in the dark, right? So you're at an intersection and it's like, well, I can go left or I can go right. Trust your gut. What feels right. And know that if you go a mile down the road and, again, metaphorically Pop speaking, it in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, Flip but if bitch, you know the direction return. that you want to go and you actually get to that intersection, you're more likely to be able to make an educated decision that's going to fulfill you too, right? It's like you knew you wanted to be challenged. You weren't necessarily feeling challenged at this point. Okay. An opportunity arose. You had the chance to go left and maintain the status quo or to go right and seek the new opportunity. You chose to go right and seek the opportunity because you knew and did that introspective research for yourself to determine what it is that you need. Mm-hmm. But most people don't do the, what is it that you know I need, not just I need, but what my family, my community, like the people around me that I care about need if you have a group of people. Like that. Yeah, and there's another, there's another piece to this that I hadn't even thought about until just when you were saying that, whether you're going left or going right, right, you're making your decision. Um, trust, whether it's trusting yourself or trusting the people that you've surrounded yourself with that are offering the opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you've surrounded yourself with bad people and they're throwing opportunities at you, you probably don't want to trust it. But if you've seen the caliber and the quality of people's character and you trust it and they're throwing opportunities at you and you know that these transitions are in the best interest of what they believe is right, then there's there's an to me that should mitigate a lot of the risk it's totally. like, hey they believe it their stamp of approval i trust them yeah. i believe in them we call that lent trust lent trust i like that yeah as in it's a referral yeah right if i tell you to go talk to somebody to buy a car from them you're like oh well if ben likes them they're probably a good person to buy a car from lent trust yeah 
I lent that person my trust. So here's the other thing. Often, it can just be a stepping stone. So a transition point can be uncomfortable for a minute, but it can be the stepping stone to the next best thing, right? Or it could be a phase. Yeah. You could go back, which isn't a bad thing either because you might learn things when you transition to a different role that you bring back to make your role you were doing before even better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you can lose because you're going to win with education or you're gonna, it's going to be, to your point, a stepping stone. Yeah. So. Hashtag winning. Again, if, if, I, if I was to put this into my situation and talk specifically about where I'm at just now, there were some people that were concerned when I did what I did eight months ago, taking the role I've taken and can you truly fulfill that quota? Can you do that? Fuck yeah, I can, right? Took the chance on myself. I'll always gamble on myself. Um, if you don't think I can, get the fuck out of the way and watch. Just here, hold my beer, right? The reason for that, I said I wasn't challenged. I looked at the traditional trajectory within our company. I didn't like it. I'm like, I don't want to do that. That that, that doesn't fulfill me. That, that will never fulfill me because... The problem with sales is that as you, generally speaking in sales, as you climb the ladder, you go from being a producer to being producer, mentor, to being mentor slash number pusher. And by number pusher, I mean every other call is about, hey, this metric needs to be hit. What are we going to do to do it? And you're not producing anymore. So you're not doing the things that you love. You're not building relationships. I'm like, I don't want to be reporting. But they talk about like the business owner that no longer gets to practice their trade yeah. that basically now just has to run the business. When they never really wanted to run the business, they just wanted to practice their mm-hmm. trade. Yeah. So my trade is sales. I'm still going to be selling. I'm just selling in a different place. And mm, cool. the traditional, hey, now I'm just going to be talking about numbers and trying to hit certain metrics. That doesn't, that doesn't appeal to me. That doesn't challenge me. Because you give me metrics, I'm going to make sure they're on paper. Hey, there you go. There's your number. Well, we'll have to do a, an update once we get a couple of months down the line here and see <laughs> what's going on. I'm sure it'll be a continual thing. But no, I yeah. think this was a good conversation today because... Even it, when I was uh, a blubbering mess and wasn't was trying not to say things that might incriminate me and I was like... Bah, bah, you mean bah, your 10-minute initial part? Yeah. yeah, that thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was almost sitting over here doing like the, the universal sign, like, move it along. <laughs> but... Not that you're always looking for necessarily change, but I was like, I think sometimes when you feel like you're stagnant or you're stuck, to like force change isn't a bad thing either. Like to force that intersection to make a choice is a good thing. To disrupt, to disrupt the boredom or to disrupt mm-hmm. whatever negative state that you th- might think that you're in, right, is not necessarily a bad, bad thing. So, but to that point, I don't. Nec- I agree. You shouldn't always be yeah. looking for change because change no. isn't always good, right? Often it's hard. Well, often it's, it's uncomfortable. It's distracting yep. to doing what you're supposed to actually do. But there's also, if we want to talk career-wise, like changing all the time is bad. Like it's one of the things I look for when I'm hiring people. How many jobs have you had in the last five years? Hey, in the last eight years, you've had six different positions. No consistency. I don't yeah. know that I'm going to take that chance on you. Um, but being aware of when change presents itself in unusual ways. Like, yeah, you might, like tomorrow, you might see something tomorrow that you're like, that's an opportunity I could sink my teeth into. And he's not, by the way. So from a compliance standpoint, do not guess, do not think that Ben is selling his book of business. Um, But yeah, tomorrow you may be like, all of a sudden, I'm going to sell my book of business and do that. You know? 
Yeah, I don't foresee anything like that coming, but I mean... But you're open to it. You're not saying it can't happen. Like, you would look at an opportunity if somebody gave you an opportunity. You'd be like, yeah, let's talk. Yeah, no, no. I always say, I, I'm never going to be so close-minded that I think that this is the only thing that I could ever do. So it's like, you always have to be open to seeing new opportunities because... If nothing else, to my earlier point, I think they're going to provide you with a different insight that you wouldn't have had otherwise, too. Like, oh, that's an interesting thought. I, I haven't even applied that to my own business now. I wonder how that would work if I applied it to my own business, mm -hmm. actually, and I utilize those same things that they're utilizing. Or maybe you're like, crap, that sounds really cool. Like, there's a great opportunity there. Maybe I do want to you know, dig into this a little more. But yeah, so all positive. Yeah. So I want to do a quick update here. Hold on. Um, We're getting to the end of our time too. So yeah, I had dinner with one of our listeners. Oh, nice. Um, Who that is? Let me find it. She gave us some good feedback, and oh. I can't find it. So good yeah. story, Stephen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> You're trying to find quotes. <laughs> Got to have this stuff queued up, dude. If you're gonna bring it up during the well, I wasn't going to bring it up. I just <laughs> thought of it. Anyway, long story short. She was very, very complimentary of what we do. Appreciates our differences because we often come at things from different oh, yeah. places. And encouraged me to sometimes show you a little more grace. I thought you would appreciate that. Oh, wow. I like this person. I'm not sure who it is, but I like She them. also, also... Oh, God, here we go. For caveat, <laughs> said that she agrees with me 99% of the time. Well... And this isn't someone that I'm trying to pursue or any of that nonsense. So That nonsense? No. I wonder what the 1% was. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're trying to, you're like, wait, did, did she like sex trophies? <laughs> <laughs> Which one was it? Yeah. But. Anyway, we appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully that was coherent when I was rambling a little bit, but trying to protect Semi. myself Semi. and yeah just when you when you come to these intersections in life when you're faced with transition points lean on the people around you lean and, on me and make decisions when you're not strong based on what they could be versus what they are i'll be your friend shut up ben I'll and, be and, and don't always be risk averse <laughs> Anyway, Ben, you get anything to say before we go? Obviously, I'm not risk averse. I just sang on our podcast. Yeah, you should be risk averse when it comes to that. Mm -mm. Um, Rate us, review us, like us, share us, share us. I mean, you really should. Like your friends probably need this positive motivation in their life. <laughs> you have a choice right now to make. You can go left and not share, or right and share. Red pill or blue pill? Red. We can go full matrix on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we appreciate you. Uh, until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom.